Welcome to Fret Not with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Not is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the heroes and champions of our field about the lessons that have most defined their careers and help us to figure out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realise that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, the originator of the original nylon string, my string of choice, and a company full of my favourite people in the guitar world. Check them out at augustinestrings.com. Altamira is the leading brand of handcrafted traditional guitars, specialising in classical nylon string, historical replica, and gypsy jazz guitars. Altamira is a trusted brand recommended by the world's leading teachers and artists. They make instruments for all player levels, from beginners starting the guitar up to luthier instruments for the world's finest artists to play on the concert stage. Altamira fosters music education and performance through its foundation that hosts and sponsors international symposiums and competitions in Asia, Europe, North America and Australia. I've recently been lucky enough to be sent an N3 model guitar from Altamira and it is one of the cleanest, easiest to play instruments that I've ever had the chance to have in my collection. They're beautiful instruments, handcrafted with love, and you can tell. These instruments are wonderful. They have models right down from the beginning level, right up until concert instruments that you would be proud to put your name to. You can check them out at altamiraguitars.com. And again, I'll put that link in the description box so that you can check it out at your own pace. In today's episode, I talk to Armenian guitarist Gohar Vardanyan. She began studying the guitar in native Armenia at the age of five under the careful guidance of her father, Vardan Vardanyan. At the age of eight, she gave her first public performance and at the age of 13, she moved with her father to the United States of America to pursue her guitar career. I first became aware of Gohar actually through her fantastic YouTube videos where she not only plays through pieces, but she also gives little lessons explaining how she plays them. This was a wonderful conversation and actually the first time that me and Goha have met in person. It was a wonderful conversation and I hope that you really enjoy it. What is the lesson you've learned that's been the most meaningful to you? Um, The lesson I've learned, it hasn't been anything that a specific person has kind of taught me. It's Mm -hmm. just with life experience. You learn that when you're doing something that's like music, playing an instrument, that's something that's creative, um, there's going to be so many bumps and uh, on the road. It's not going to be an easy path where you just graduate out of school and, uh, I don't know, get a job and work there. So you have to really make sure that you love what you're doing mm-hmm. because you have to, that love for it, that's what's going to carry you through the parts where it's going to suck, <laughs> you know, it's where it's going to be difficult. Maybe you won't get the concerts you want or you won't have the students you need, etc. So you have to have that. If you don't like what you're doing, if you don't like teaching, for example, and you have to teach a lot of students, your life is going to be miserable. So in short, love what you do before you embark on this um, musical career. (laughs) I think it can be tricky to feel like you always love it, right? There's always these times where you absolutely want to break the guitar against the wall. That's that's going to happen. Um, But at the same time, 
anything you do, there's going to be ups and downs that you don't, you don't enjoy that moment. But ultimately, like if I stay away from the guitar long enough, I will miss it. Mm-hmm. I will crave that desire to actually just touch the instrument and play the instrument and, and listen to it. So there's, it's not, it's not always rainbows and unicorns with the guitar, but, um, but at, ultimately you love it. it. It's a creative process and we, it, it's a different kind of, um, it's not a job really. Like you have to be in the right mood to be able to create something, the process of, let's say, bringing up a piece from a non-existent state to a performance stage it's work that you have to do and it's not always rewarding day to day. You don't always see the result, but you mm-hmm. have to trust in the process and your vision for it and your desire to play and for the, the love of the music and the instrument. Ultimately, you stick with it long enough, sometimes nine months, sometimes a year until a piece comes to a point where you you enjoy playing it. Where mm-hmm. all of that time before that was just you chugging away and practicing and teaching your fingers where to land. <laughs> I wonder, because you started playing pretty young, um, Mm -hmm. has it always felt like this? Have you always found the love for it? Or has it been something that you've grown into later? I think I grew into it later more so because because I started very young and it wasn't really my choice to start. It was my father's choice. So I was literally, the pacifier was removed from me and a guitar was given to me. It, I don't remember a time where I didn't play the guitar. Mm-hmm. At first, I was a kid and I wasn't one of those like really good kids who did what their parents told them you know Mm -hmm. no i rebelled i was bribed into it if i played for 10 minutes that day if my dad could sit me down for 15 minutes i would get snickers bars for it candy ice cream etc i was bribed and as a as a kid it wasn't something i wanted to do if he didn't push me i would i would like not look at the guitar for for months Mm -hmm. um but thanks to my dad's stubbornness (laughs) you know um uh, I I can I got good at it, and then also when you're a child and you are at good at good at something, it gives you confidence. Even um, in in it doesn't like other things don't bother you as much because you know you are good at something else. And if someone teases you or whatever, not that I got teased a lot, but even if they did, I wouldn't care because I was good at guitar. Um, but the love for it it came more as a responsibility first, and then I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the attention I got because I was good as a kid um later on is when there's responsibility attached to it you move countries you uh kind of make a decision that you're going to be a musician or a guitarist or hopefully both <laughs> not just one or the other um then it's a it's a love and responsibility when you're doing it your entire life there are going to be days where you're just absolutely sick of it and you do not want to play but if you have a concert coming up you're going to suck it up and you're going to practice and Mm -hmm. you hopefully not embarrass yourself Mm -hmm. on stage you know were there moments where you doubted that you say like when you move country you really make this decision to do it were there moments when you felt sort of overwhelmed sure i mean when you're even at that decision like you i was younger i was a teenager when we moved to the united states i was 13 14. Mm -hmm. um at that point you still like you realize like oh I need to take this seriously and you you do it more it's when you get older when you're college age and you realize like this is not an easy career path and you have to sort of trust that your abilities will be enough and even then you can be very good at what you're doing but at first when you first graduate there's always going to be um, a starting point where you're literally doing 
like you're walking in one place as a hamster, you know, running mm-hmm. at a wheel and without really seeing any progress. So there were doubts were like, did I, did I pick the right career? Maybe I should have become a doctor, <laughs> you know? Um, but at that point it was too late because I went to a music conservatory. The last math class I took was in high school. It was algebra two and um, changing paths after that would have been way more difficult than continuing something that I already had, you know, 20 years invested into it. Mm-hmm. If I made any other choice, it would be like going backwards. I, if Let's say I did, you know, and I, I said doctor, that's like a very long path. But any other career, uh, I would have had to backtrack and fill in all the gaps that I, I missed. Because after high school, when you go to a music conservatory, you only concentrate on music classes, music theory, music history, and your instrument. You don't even care mm-hmm. about those classes as much. You just want to practice. Um you just do like, you know, minimal amount. But any other thing, if I wanted to change, become, I don't know, lawyer, engineer, anything, yeah. it would have put me back, set me back in life even more than being a musician does. As a musician, you're already kind of behind the curve in terms of how long it takes to establish some sort of career. Mm. That is even if you started very young, like you did too as well from, from yeah. what I've, I've learned about you. Even after that, you're still behind your, your age group. The mm-hmm. people who do get a job right after they graduate, you still yeah. have to build it yourself. Yeah, indeed. I think especially if you start young, it's kind of difficult to differentiate which bits have been the learning process and which bits are your career. Those two are so sort of intertwined. So you sort of feel like you've been doing this career for 20 years by the time you graduate. Yeah, which is partly true. I mean, for me, maybe maybe not because no one really... I, I played some concerts. I got the experience when I was little, but I wouldn't call it like a beginning of a career because other than the local... Um, like I played Arme- uh, concerts in Armenia, other than the local group of people, no one really heard me play. Mm-hmm. But let's say you are someone who started doing competitions very young, then you are sort of putting your name out there early on. So you are starting your career when you're a teenager. People in the guitar world are hearing you are playing and your name mm-hmm. attached to each other. And that might help you when you are at the age of, let's say you're actually getting paid for your concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, that that helps then you are starting your career basically from the very beginning did you find the shift between so moving from armenia to america did you find that difficult it's a i feel like it's a rupturous age to move when you're 13. it's um i think back then it was i mean it was exciting you know uh, for i was a very young 13 year old um i still played with barbie dolls at 13 let's just say that way I feel like some of my my students and some of the 13 year olds now that I am around they are so much more mature and they're so much more aware of the world than Mm -hmm. I was when I was 13 I was a child um so I was excited because I was going to get Barbie dolls so (laughs) you know um for me it was like a little bit different because my mom couldn't really come with me so there was that separation I moved here with my dad first um because I was underage so a parent had to come but only one of the parents could come so it was difficult at times, but you, when you don't really have a choice, you just kind of go through it. And then you can, you make friends. You, uh, I had to get adjusted to the language. So I spoke a little bit of English from Armenia because my mom is fluent. And um, I went to like an English, special English school where I started learning English in second grade. But that was not enough to actually communicate. And I didn't, I first learned like the, the British pronunciation for everything and the British spelling. Um, mm. But I heard my my Armenian teachers speak with a British accent, but also with a foreign accent, as well as they spoke, or the one English teacher that I had, 
as well as she spoke, she still had a foreign accent when she spoke mm -hmm. English, the, the British way. So American English was way too fast. It was way too like blah, 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 blah. You know, everything was like rounded. I couldn't understand anything. So it took me a little while to catch on mm -hmm. and then to be able to, you know, communicate and uh, make friends. But I went to high school here. So once you go to high school, in that in whatever country I feel like you go to high school like that early teenagehood that's yeah. kind of what you get accustomed to so at mm -hmm. this point I feel more American than Armenian in some ways mm -hmm. I was wondering if um, having that feeling you know you talked about this confidence that you get from being good at something I wonder if there's a correlation between when you moved and you maybe felt a bit more unsure of yourself if the guitar helped you? Um, I went to, even from the very start, I went to music schools. So it was a place, like I went to Juilliard's pre-college division. So I was surrounded by kids just like myself. Some of them also were from different countries mm -hmm. um, and new to, to the United States. Then I went to a boarding school that was for performing arts. So I was, again, surrounded by people just like myself. So I didn't really have the traditional high school experience that a regular American kid would have where mm -hmm. I might have felt more isolated as being from a different country or just being a musician already can like make you a target for being weird right mm -hmm. um, when you're a teenager so mm -hmm. I didn't have that because it's just I guess luck in some ways but because I was surrounded with kids just like myself um, it was okay and yes of course it helped that I was also good at what I was doing so mm -hmm. <laughs> And then, so your mom did move in the end as well, or it was... No, she is still currently living in Buenos Aires, but I'm able to in Argentina. She's not Argentinian, everyone asks. I'm fully Armenian, both my parents are Armenian, yeah. but um, she moved to Buenos Aires in about 20 years ago, in 2000, more than 20 now. Um, and I visit her because it's complicated with visas, it's, it's difficult for her to uh, come to the US. Yeah, but yeah. that whole kind of separation, it lasted for a little while. But then as soon as I was able to go back and forth, I'm able to visit her. Mm -hmm. And so you moved to the US. It was for you. It was if if it hadn't been that you had to have a parent with you, it would have just been you alone. Right. If I wasn't so young, okay. it was yeah. the whole reason for the move was for me to continue the um, guitar education, because in Armenia, um, my dad was the, the guitar teacher. He was one of the best there. Mm -hmm. And there is a music conservatory and I could have gone there, but it's not the same level, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to have any chance of having some sort of career that's like on, on the level that my parents wanted me to have, staying in Armenia would have been limiting. The move was for basically to continue my education where my dad was no longer my teacher, basically. And how did you find shifting between your dad being your teacher and having a teacher who was not a parent? I think it was it was good for me. My first not guitar, not dad guitar teacher was yeah. Auntie Goni Goni. <laughs> the best you could possibly have at that age. She's like one mm. of the most wonderful people. Um, it was nice because when he was my dad, again, as I said, I wasn't a, a kid who would be doing what they're told. Like I wasn't that child, <laughs> you know? So it was a constant fight. Like if my dad would tell me something, I would fight him. No, I'm not gonna do it. No, I don't like it that way. It was just always like some kind of friction because it was my dad, I could do that, you know? But when it's a teacher who is essentially a stranger and there's a certain level of respect that comes when you're dealing with someone who's not your parent not to say you're not supposed to respect your parents but you know what I mean like when it's your dad <laughs> and your mom like you end up fighting with them all the time but mm -hmm. um 
with Antigone, I, I couldn't do that. So I took it more seriously and it was good for me to be surrounded by other kids my age who were just as good as I was. Mm. So then there is this camaraderie and there is this, you realize you're not alone. You realize you do have to practice, <laughs> you know. Um, so it was good. And because she was so amazing, I didn't find that transition to be, I only found that transition to be positive, no negatives at all. Amazing. And did you feel any kind of competition when you came into a new environment? Did you find it difficult at all? I am not a competitive person, so no. Um, and I had enough under like enough years of playing under my belt where I didn't feel like I was lacking in any way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just personality. I never cared for, for I never actually like I think in even up to this day, uh, mm -hmm. I prefer judging a competition than like I never played in any I think I did three competitions right out of grad school and I realized it's not my place. I just mm -hmm. didn't care. Um, it didn't like some people are driven by competition. It will, they will practice harder. They will really like it brings out the best in them in mm. terms of their preparation. That's not what it did for me. I rather play three hours in a performance than play ten minutes in a competition. It's mm -hmm. just uh, it's a different kind of. Just to prove that I can win did not um, what is it you know did not motivate me to work harder. So no, I don't. I don't remember feeling that with with the other. We were very friendly. Um, there was no sense of competition with my peers. But it was nice to see that there were other people my age that were just as serious about it, or you know, just as devoted to it, even more so than I was. I was bribed. They were actually ones that chose the instrument. They liked to play guitar, and I liked the candy <laughs> I got for playing guitar. So different priorities. <laughs> I was wondering. So you said it's okay if things go a little bit um, pear-shaped at some point. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if there was a moment after graduating when you felt that particularly. There is always times where you feel like, oh, why is this not working? Or it's just like you're doing all of this and it's not moving as quickly as it can. Mm -hmm. There were never any moments at that point that I would want to or felt like quitting because that was not a choice. Like that was even looking back, that would not be a choice. That would be sacrifice that just we threw away there was a lot of sac a lot of sacrifices made to get to that point mm -hmm. and if I had changed my mind then then I wasted 15 years of my life and my parents life basically like that mm -hmm. was changed so at that point there was nothing to turn the you know to turn around and go in the other direction um, but of course it can be frustrating when things are slow you know like you're yeah. you're slow to get concerts or you're slow to get um, uh, students but I think for me the underlying issue wasn't even that it was the long immigration process for the United States because mm -hmm. I was here on an international student visa then I was here on the artist visa the the O1 visa that um, for musicians artists yeah. athletes right so you're probably familiar with it so that was the most worrying and stressful part for me because this was I was in a place where this was my home. All mm -hmm. my friends are Americans. They're in the United States. And I didn't have permanent papers that would allow me to live in this country. Mm -hmm. So that was more what was underlying stress than like the guitar thing. And doing the guitar thing was the only thing that would make me more permanent in this country. So there was no choice. I had to do what I had to do, uh, go forward. And, you know, it took about five years or so. Um, after graduation where you feel like you can stand on your own two feet and then yeah. eventually like the papers work out and you know at this point I'm permanent resident so like this is home you know and yeah. 
feels like home, but then you also have the papers to prove that this is home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think yeah. that it's changed the way that you respond to like getting concerts and things? For the mm -hmm. concerts, like in the very, very beginning, you are you can't be picky. And in my case specifically, I needed to build a portfolio for performances yeah. in order to prove to immigration <laughs> that I was this um, this O1 visa is for people with extraordinary abilities, and I put that in, in quotation marks because that's what immigration says. But mm -hmm. so you have to prove to immigration that you are extraordinary. And I had to take any concert that came my way, whether it paid, whether it didn't pay, whether it was little, whether my flight was more than the concert itself. Mm -hmm. um, I had no choice. But then, of course, with time, with age with experience and more of a reputation you can be a little bit pickier mm -hmm. right now just realistically speaking as well i have students that i teach so if i get invited to play somewhere and i have to cancel all my students to go there and monetarily it makes no sense for mm -hmm. me to cancel students where i could just sit at my desk and do nothing right and mm -hmm. be able to cover my bills to cancel all of that, get on a flight, get somewhere, play a concert, it doesn't seem worth it as much as I love performing. So you can be a little choosier about mm -hmm. where you play. Although I, so far I haven't really turned a concert down. Um, it's somehow worked out where it was possible for me to go play because I do love performing. Mm -hmm. But it's just in principle, yeah. you could, and that choice is I powerful. Could. You, you could, yeah. and, that, and it wouldn't, uh, and it's a nice comforting feeling where you're not in a desperate situation in some ways. Tell me, what is a lesson that you would like to impart? I think for guitar, for students who are listening and everything, what you need to concentrate on is improving yourself as much as you can. And not really, you have to be aware of what's going on around you. That's for sure. You need to see what your so-and-so competition is, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to improve your ability. If, you, if your abilities are not up to par, there, it's not going to happen because nowadays, this is more like for, for the younger players who are looking to become professionals at it, the competition is very high. There are so many really incredible players um, that, you know, 30, 40 years ago at that age group, maybe there wouldn't be that many. Now there are. So you have to make sure you're good at what you're doing, <laughs> you know, so that you have a chance. It's already hard enough. And if yeah. if you don't work hard, you know, that's that's the, that's the part, like, it's the working hard part that makes it or break it at the end. You do need talent some degree, like when people say, oh, you're so talented, I'm like, well, thanks. But talent alone is not gonna get you anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard work that you spend hours sitting on a chair and perfecting that initial inclination towards the instrument that you have, that's talent maybe. So yes, improve your skills. <laughs> Yes, I think if not because you don't think you're good enough, then also because you you need to be really convinced that you are. There are some people who are very convinced they're incredible, but that's not reality. You know, like you need to be honest with yourself. Maybe you do need the confidence, absolutely need the confidence because you can be the most incredible player. But if you don't have the confidence to walk on stage and do what you have to do or to teach someone, what you need to teach in a master class and not deliver it with confidence, it's not going to go too well either. Mm -hmm. But sometimes being overly confident and not having the skill to back it up, that's mm -mm, that's not mm -hmm. going to get you far either, not long term. Generally, the people who are really, really super confident tend to be people who are just massively insecure and um, struggle a lot. So <laughs> having yes. like well-founded confidence in what you're doing is, is super important. I guess if you're worrying, um, if you might be too overconfident, you probably might not be. <laughs> Also, you have to be humble 
to some degree. Um, mm -hmm. I found that the, the players who are really good, they don't walk around with the chip on their shoulder. Um, they're, they're actually very humble. They, they might know that they're very good. Uh, it's not that they're not confident in what they can do, but they don't show it all the time. Mm. The ones that show it all the time, it's usually something's lacking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think there's a, there's a good balance, isn't there? Humility is a really, yeah. it's kind of a weird one to talk about. I guess the people who really get ahead are the people who can estimate themselves well. Also, just because it makes your life so much easier in your practice time if you yes, kind of does. know what you're doing rather than just <laughs> thinking you're always awful. That's something I think yes, of course. it's really helpful to learn. Well, the guitar world, specifically the classical guitar world, it's a very small world from what I found. Uh, I mean, we already know about each other and we live on the other side of the, yeah. the pond, right? <laughs> um, and anytime you play a concert somewhere, how this is a little off topic, but like how you behave, how you are, how nice you are to get get along with, how difficult you make it for the presenter or how easy you make it for the presenter. It matters because these people talk to each other. And there have been times where I've heard horror stories about artists. You know, I'm, I'm the artist who's invited and, you know, a presenter might tell me something about another artist that made their life difficult, that made them not want to really invite that person back. Mm -hmm. Not because their playing wasn't good, their playing was amazing. But the attitude, the mm -hmm. dealing with the person. So it all comes together, like mm -hmm. being a good human and then also backing it up with um, your skills, <laughs> you know. Yeah, definitely. I think generally being nice to people and being kind to people, I think that's something I wish I had learned a little earlier on. I think in my teen years, going to like a few festivals in Europe, I, um, especially around like 16, 17, when you sort of don't want to be there anyway, and every adult is some other adult telling you what to do. Um, mm -hmm. I think I've probably not made friends in a few places. <laughs> I hope people can way, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. Like when you're a teenager doing that, it's more for big forgivable because you're also trying to figure out who you are, and being a teenager is already difficult, you know. So, um, yeah. it's a, as long as you learned the lesson later on, you realize like these people you're going to probably come across later on in your career. Um, and it's just you know, it's nice to be nice, at least you can sleep yeah. at night, <laughs> you know. Indeed, I think there is something so tough about that if you start playing guitar when you're young around 15, 16, you've maybe been playing guitar for 10 years, so you feel like you know a little bit about it, maybe you're getting serious about it. At just the worst time to be getting serious about anything you're going to care about, yeah. and it's fascinating. Do you teach um, teenage students? I have a couple of teenage students. I generally don't. I teach adults. It's mm -hmm. a preference I've made. I've learned over the years that um, I'm actually not very good at motivating kids to play. I don't know if it's because I was sort of forced to play when I was a kid and if I see a kid whose parents are making them do it and they're not really into it I'm like quit already like why do you care you know just like don't do it that's my reaction instead because I know some of my colleagues they're incredibly good at motivating little kids like I don't know seven-year-olds up to ten-year-olds maybe a little older to really love the instrument I'm not there I will teach you how to use the instrument I will teach you how to play music um, you know, I put a lot of importance on like technique development from the very beginning because I had that and I feel like it helps me a lot. I can't do that with a six-year-old who doesn't care, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, um, but I do have a couple of teenagers who, who love playing and uh, I never had any problems like with, with them because they are, they love it. It's just like natural love for the instrument. 
Mm. So I, I feel like very lucky and easy. I don't have to motivate them. I just have to tell them what to do and they go and do it. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah. all of my other students are adults. I'd say like 20 and up, sometimes okay. 40 and up. <laughs> so I have really the same. I can't really remember how I got to this point with playing guitar. For me, it was my dad <laughs> teaching me, so I don't even rem had, I'd never had a sense of as a five-year-old or a six-year-old going to a teacher and what that was like. For me, it was between playing with my friends, my dad would just like grab me and be like, let's play this piece for five minutes and then you'll go run around with your friends. So I don't, I've never had that experience. But I also feel way more responsible when I'm teaching a child because you know, it, the usage of the instrument is so important. And I see so many kids sometimes that if I teach in a master class and everything they're doing is wrong, like everything from mm -hmm. the, how they're holding the guitar, how the fact they, that their hands are just, they look broken because their teacher is not constantly insisting, or maybe they are insisting, but the kid's not doing anything about it. And yeah. I feel responsible not allowing the kid to develop really bad habits because let's say they did end up loving it and wanting to do it for a career. If they had a bad like physical habit of technique, that's mm -hmm. going to haunt them. You don't change that at 25 if you already ruined it for 15 years, you know, or, or plus. So that responsibility, I, I don't really like it. <laughs> so yeah. I rather um, teach someone who's older who understands its importance, where I can communicate with them, explain to them why you do need to learn how to pluck a string and not just yank at it yeah. and hold the guitar however you want, even though it's less comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. or more comfortable. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my student group, mostly adults. No, I like. I feel very liberated hearing somebody else say that because I've always felt very guilty about mm -hmm. struggling with that age group. Because it's not just the not practicing or the not wanting to do it. But mm -hmm. you're right when you say that it's that responsibility. Mm -hmm. I feel very nervous being in charge of someone's complete trajectory for what could be five, ten years. It's, it's mm -hmm. very crazy. And it could be from your own personality too. I'm a perfectionist. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just... I feel like maybe you, as a musician, you kind of have to be yeah. uh, when you're an instrumentalist, they're especially classical music. We mm -hmm. strive for perfection. We don't always get there, but that's what we're aiming for. And having kind of just closing my eyes to, oh, like he's just having, he or she is just having fun on the guitar. You know, it's like, we'll fix it later when he's a little older. But during all of that time, that physical memory, like the most important times, of like your the child developing and growing with the instrument you're doing it wrong and every single time they pluck a string it's wrong <laughs> you know mm -hmm. that's the, what their brain is learning and i'm doing that it's a backwards uphill battle basically yeah and i think what helps me is that i didn't have that i had a i had daily lessons with my dad basically mm -hmm. and i always did everything right because it was under his supervision so my my brain my the way my hands grew and the way the connections between my brain and my hands were mm -hmm. it happened in the right way so technique is no problem for me and it helps me that's why i don't have to practice eight hours a day mm -hmm. you know, and that means when you're older you can have a life and a music career and friends <laughs> you know and yeah. you don't have to lock yourself <laughs> up in a practice room because you need more time to achieve something so yeah mm. i, I um, i've taken that responsibility away from me <laughs> what is the lesson that you're currently working on uh, currently i'm working on having a balance because as we were talking earlier it uh, it can be all consuming 
your your career what you do it becomes your identity and if you started playing as a young person guitar is your identity like Mm -hmm. I can't imagine not playing the guitar but you can't only be a guitarist it almost makes you a worse guitarist if that's the only thing you do because Mm -hmm. you don't have any life experiences to share and music is emotions you know and you need to have a life in order to understand emotions so I'm trying to balance it like you know I have a very full teaching schedule and I have to practice and I perform and I record but I will still allow time or at least I'm working on allowing time for having a life outside of anything to do with music like nothing just you know I don't even listen really to music outside of like teaching just to have a break mm-hmm. from it to something completely different doesn't always happen you know today's Sunday it's my day off and look at us we're doing a <laughs> career a career you know oriented it's fun it's definitely fun I'm not saying that but right after us I talking I'm going to record something this is my day off this is what I how I spend it so sometimes I try to have a day off where the guitar does not sneak into it <laughs> Mm-hmm. And what are you doing when you're not playing guitar or doing anything guitar related? Mostly try to spend time with people. Um, mm. I like running. Well, I don't like running. I like fitting into my clothes and that's why I run. But, you know, so, but <laughs> exercise, being outside, exercise. I love winter, so it's cold outside. So I'm probably going to go on a walk. Um, and uh, I don't really have any other hobbies because hobbies take a long time. Mm-hmm. And that I've tried. I tried to do pencil drawing and stuff and I... I realized it, if a hobby is supposed to make you feel better, mm-hmm. it actually makes me feel worse because the hours I might spend on shading a, a cup, I, I'm thinking about like I should be practicing or I should be making that recording or, you know, I should be answering those emails. So I realized when you are when you already do different things, I feel like editing videos, recording videos, that's my hobby, mm-hmm. even though it's very much related to guitar. Uh, yeah. playing around with technology and cameras like that's my hobby that helps I don't feel guilty about doing that mm-hmm. um, but really it's spending time with people because being a musician can be very isolating because you're really yeah. by yourself all the time except for the time you're one-on-one with a student um, so human contact <laughs> it's important <laughs> and it's not even because of COVID I'm just you know human contact in general it's important <laughs> COVID has been a good excuse for um, all of us guitarists right. who always sit in our room alone <laughs> You do that um, all the time anyway. Uh, you have to, right, to spend some time with the guitar. But that's when I uh, when I have time off, I spend uh, spend it with people. I think that's super nice. I like the idea of finding a hobby within what you already do. I think for me, Instagram is that as well. I really like having those little conversations. This podcast, for instance, mm-hmm. it can be really easy to when you really love doing something and it's kind of all encompassing. It can be easy to when you feel bad think of your whole life as work and that everything sucks and (laughs) when you have a good day you think my god it's so lucky that I get to do this stuff I mean my life is just one big hobby (laughs) so it's really nice I think to probably define the things that you do with guitar or with whatever it is that your passion is that you really do just enjoy I think that's something really nice I think that's what other people think about our career sometimes is that, oh, but you're so lucky you get to play music for a living, right? Because for them, it is their hobby. They -hmm. have their day job, whatever it might be, and then they play guitar for enjoyment. They do it for love. But for us, it's for love as well because we love it, of course, but it's a job. At the end of the day, if I have a concert, if I even if I don't feel like practicing, I will have to sit down and practice and Mm -hmm. be disciplined about it. 
where if you're doing it as a hobby, if you don't feel like doing it, you don't have to do it. Yeah, so yeah. it's not, it, it is, we are, I think, incredibly lucky to play music for a living because, hello, <laughs> you know, music, mm-hmm. but it, it is a job. You have to be responsible about it. And it's very easy to get burnt out if you, especially if you're a driven individual, you will always strive to do more and more and more. And if you don't have a life outside of it, you'll just burn out at the end of it and start hating <laughs> what you do. I'm trying to yeah. keep myself from hating it it hasn't gotten there yet mm-hmm. and i'd like to keep it that way <laughs> so. sure yeah no i think it's interesting because i think with the kind of personalities you have in the classical music world things often swing from one end of the spectrum to the other there was i remember reading a text post once i think i have it saved in my phone around the time when i started writing about things in the classical music world that that kind of annoyed me the way that people thought one of them was this if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life Oh, that's and a very popular quote. Someone yes. commenting on this, and and I wrote about it myself as well, thinking, you know, but actually, what we do is work, and it could be really tough. Um, I guess in reality, neither one hundred percent or zero percent is the truth. There's elements of that, and I think that idea, like that, you know, when you record videos, that's something for you, or like messing around with video equipment and things like that. That that's something you enjoy. I think that's something super valuable for a lot of people. If you can find something that's still to do with what you're doing, that you can find real genuine fun in. Indeed, yeah. it's a hobby that won't make you feel guilty. Exercise, being outside and spending time with people never makes me feel guilty. I will give up practicing to do that because I feel like that's incredibly important because mm-hmm. we spend our time sedentary, like our life is sedentary as a musician, when you're teaching, when you're practicing, etc. As a, as a guitarist, at least if I was yeah. a dancer, maybe not. Um, <laughs> so being outside, moving your body, breathing fresh air and spending time with people, never feel guilty. Doing something else that's also sedentary, like drawing or mm-hmm. things like that, or I don't know, crafts, arts and crafts, that I rather play guitar. And what you said about the quote, it's such a popular quote, right? If you love what you do, you don't work. Um, if you compare it to, let's say, a kind of a really boring office job or a manual, manual job where it's physically tiring or whatever, I can see, yeah, compared to those kind of things that you don't enjoy it at all and only do it for the for the necess- necessity to earn a living, mm-hmm. then it's incredibly lucky. What we do is nothing like that. But you still work, and sometimes you work way more. Uh, our job is not over at 40 hours a week, which is, you know, what they said, the U.S. standard, right, for, yeah. for working. Mm-hmm. I, let's say I teach 20-plus hours a week, but then I practice about that many hours as well, but then I answer emails, mm-hmm. and then you do things in between. It, it's up to way more than 40 hours seven days a week, mm-hmm. not five days a week. So you still work. It's just that what you do is a more enjoyable thing. You're not laying bricks, let's say. Maybe you love laying bricks. I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that, as long as there's something in it that you that you like. And yeah, it can be difficult sometimes when you're trying to push. Um, so you've got a really busy period. It can be easy to forget that you do like it, actually, that you like doing yeah. this. And then when you hear people say, oh, you're so lucky, then it can feel like a real blow because then you feel yeah. so double guilty. I haven't seen the sun in a week and you, what do you mean I'm lucky? <laughs> exactly. A lot of music feels, a lot of a musical life can feel like sacrifice. So finding yeah. ways to make it feel less like a sacrifice all of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what thing. I'm trying to do is just to yeah. have a balance to realize like I do get to do it I don't have a boss I, mm-hmm. I am my own boss I can 
um, you know, I love the students that I have, the the people I teach, and um, I get to play whatever music I want to play. You know, if I don't like a piece, I don't have to play it. I'm not in an orchestra, for example, even compared to our own musical career. Mm-hmm. I'm not in an orchestra playing whatever the season the orchestra decided to play. I pick my own repertoire. That's already good thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the positives that comes with um doing what I'm doing. It's like little choices. Like I don't like contemporary music, I don't play contemporary music. And that already makes it more manageable. Even as a musician, you could still be forced to do things you don't really enjoy doing. Even though you're playing your instrument, you could be forced down a path where you don't enjoy that same instrument you're playing. Mm -hmm. So having the freedom to do whatever you want, even if it's many, many hours, that's that's a positive you can take. 